Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hey, man, this is Mike Sandlin of Cape Fear Men. If you have listened to this podcast for any length, you know I like to have men on that are making an impact in today's culture in reaching men. And not just any particular group of men, but men of all generations and all walks of life. And you know the topic I like to discuss with my guests more than any other is discipleship. The importance of one man pouring his life into another man in a discipling relationship. And today I'm honored to have back on the program, Mike Rivera. Hey, Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing right, man. I'm doing all right, Mike. Thank you for inviting me again. You know, uh, sometimes I say that if you get invited again, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, it, I guess it can be. It can be. It could be that I didn't have nobody else to invite this time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, for those of you who probably didn't catch the first time Mike was on, he was just on a few weeks ago, and I invited Mike to come back on because we uh, we really didn't get into the discussion we had initially planned. We we talked all around it and about it, but never really got into the meat of talking about discipling. And so this is the reason why I asked Mike to come back on. So hopefully we can stay on task and yes, we, we won't get off on, on various. Mike and I, when we talk, we get off on some su- subjects sometimes. We'll talk about his afro he had when he had when he was young. I talked about my long hair when I was young and, and that kind of stuff. And neither one of us have that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. But anyway, so Michael, let me ask you this question as, as we get started. Let's just give it, let's just ask this big uh, $64 million, 30,000 foot level question if you want to ask, you know, what is discipling? What is discipling? Well, in order to to define that, we have to define what is a disciple, you know? And a disciple is one who knows Jesus Christ, a person who has a relationship and knows the Savior, shares the gospel, worships God, gives faithfully, loves believers, loves others, and exhibits the fruits of the Spirit. And that person disciples others, who disciples others, who disciples others. So a disciple is one who disciples others, is one who's learned. I just, you know, for I, I, tomorrow I'm going to be saved 44 years. On August 12th, I gave my heart to the Lord. And I've come to realize this. That when you come to Christ the first time, you're not a disciple. You're a convert. Right. From there, someone needs to teach you. Someone needs to grab a hold of you and tell you about the values of the kingdom. Well, that's what happened to me. Someone grabbed a hold of me. I began to teach. I began to learn from them. And I began to follow them. And we built a relationship together. I got to know their their wives, their kids. I got to know a lot of things about them, and they opened up the scriptures to me and my relationship with God, and I began to grow. As I began to grow, my challenge, the challenge to me was go disciple somebody else. And so that's what I did. I selected a couple of guys. We sat down, got to know their families, got to know who they are, hung out, high fives. We play baseball, go fishing, uh, bowling or whatever. And then we come back and discuss our relationship with God. 
You know, where are we in our relationship with God? Are we doing the right thing in our home? Are we doing the right thing for ourselves in our relationship with God? And then from there, I challenge them to disciple others. So a disciple is a, a disciple is one who's training someone to learn what it is to have a deep relationship with God. Yeah, you know, I had I had somebody tell me here not too long ago. Uh, uh, actually, if you uh, go into John Tolson's book, the the four priorities. I think it's got a perfect three-word definition, basically, of what a disciple is. A disciple is, number one, a learner. They learn uh, what they need to learn. They are a follower, you know, uh, and they follow whoever is discipling them. You know, Paul was pretty pretty bold in his statement about uh, uh, discipling. He says in in First. First Corinthians chapter eleven verse one. He says, "Follow me. You know, if you if you imitate me, you imitate Christ. In other words, yes. if you follow me, you'll be following Christ. So you're a learner. He's a follower, and then he's a reproducer. He takes what he's learned and he takes it and expands it onto somebody else." Amen. I, I think that's that's one thing that's a challenge for us that we are afraid of developing relationships. Yeah, we're actually afraid of working. Why are we why are we afraid to do that to build those relationships? I mean that's important. That's important for uh if you're going to disciple or be disciple, you've got to develop those relationships. Why is it that men are afraid to develop those relationships? I think the part is being vulnerable. They're afraid of being vulnerable and being open. Uh, we live in a social media society where everything is exposed. People are just throwing stuff out there that is absolutely crazy. So if I share something with you personal, Mike. All of a sudden, I, I see on Facebook, man, I was with this guy yesterday and he shared X, Y, and Z. Like, why is my stuff out there? I can't trust you. So I think one of the things, and, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm wrong with this, but it, I think vulnerability is one of the most scary things for men. Oh, uh, yeah. to and so discipling requires vulnerability. It requires me getting to know you and you getting to know me and opening up in that area. Uh, pornography is one of those traps that oh, yeah. holds me. It's hard to share that. Um, but we, I think we talk so much about pornography, we forget about the other parts that hold us back. There's greed. There's pride. There's uh, 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 all kinds of other little things that can prevent a man from sharing with another man. So fear. Mike, you know that scripture out of James says, confess your faults one to another? Yep. You know, it, it, it says, confess your faults one to another, that you may be healed, not yep. finding your stuff on Facebook. So yep. I think vulnerability is a key uh, with that. Uh, so I think that's one reason why men are afraid to have this uh, close relationship. Uh, I think that's one of the major reasons. Well, you know, that's uh, you, and you bring up a good point with that because when you do develop those relationships, that intentional relationship, and where you're where you're going to pour your life into other people, uh, to to be effective in that, you've got you yourself as the as the discipler has got to be vulnerable. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to be able to share some of your successes, but also some of your failures too, so they can so they can see that. Uh, they're not the only ones that struggles with various aspects of life, but you got to set up rules when you de start developing those those relationships. And one of those rules is 
it's kind of the old Las Vegas rule, you know, what, what, what's, what happens here stays here, you know. What is said here stays here, and it don't go nowhere else. We don't talk about it nowhere else. So you've got to set those kinds of rules up. Yeah, yeah Mike, you're right. Um, I'll give you a little example about my own personal life. Uh, um, uh, I, had, I had shared with something with someone, uh, and I was in a lot of pain. And um, that person took what I shared to a different level. And uh, it went as far as almost destroyed my marriage. It almost destroyed a lot of things. Uh, and I came to a point in a dark period of my life, and I think I shared this last time, but a point where uh, I was going to take my own life. That's how bad it was. Mm. God sent somebody my, my way to rescue me from that. In that rescuing, I began to heal. I began to grow. But I, but I, I lack trusting people because of that. I didn't trust anybody. So I, I got involved in a men's group and they said, hey, Mike, won't you share your life with us? And, you know, and I sat there, I said, no. And everybody was quiet. And they go, well, why not? The leader said, why not? He says, I don't trust any of you. I don't trust none of you here. I don't even long, know you. A, yeah, it takes a long time to, to get that trust back once it's been broken. Yeah, and, and it took a while, you know. So this is what I share now, you know, in my home church with the guys. You can trust me. Whatever you share with me dies with me. Right. And if the pastor comes and says, well, I'm the pastor. Tell me about, you know, Jojo or Joe Blow, whatever his name is. You know, I said, no. And well, why not? I said, because I promised him. Now, if you want secondhand information, that's coming from me, but I'm not going to give it to you. Why don't you just go to him and let him tell you, you know, but it's not coming from me. And so I, men, most men in my church trust me, you know. Because I won't share whatever they're going through and how intimate it may be unless it's going to harm somebody else, harm themselves or somebody else. And then that's right. a different story. Right. Other right. than that, Mike, I think the the one of the major things why men don't share is because of vulnerability. You know, yeah. uh, we need to be vulnerable as, as a disciple. Jesus had 12 dudes. He knew their family and they, and they they shared a lot. Hey, listen, he even rebuked Peter <laughs> in his face. You know, that's how the relationship was, you know. He rebuked him. <laughs> uh, he had called him task a few times, didn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah, he called him on the carpet many times, you know. He cut a guy's ears off and because Peter, stop that, you know. <laughs> and, uh, the other part is Jesus going to the cross, and Peter goes, you're not going there. And he says, Satan, get behind me. And I can imagine Peter standing there, and he's looking around and goes, Satan, I'm Peter, Jesus. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but the relationship there was so close, and we say, "Oh, but he's God." No, it's not because he's God. He was also human, and he built a relationship with twelve guys because he was going to give them a task that's going right. to change the world. Right, right. And that's what we're about. You know, I, I mean, your introduction here even says it that we're about discipling men who can disciple others uh, and 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 pass on the gospel of Christ. Uh, to other men and entrust them with that. Yeah. Entrust them with that. Right. So, uh, discipler and discipling is all about vulnerability and learning and developing for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, Amen. you know, one of the things that that, that um, saddens my saddens my heart a lot of times is the knowledge that many churches today. 
Um, and, and, but they're growing in number, but there's still very, very few churches who fully understand what it means to disciple someone else. Uh, even their pastors don't even realize it because they, they themselves have never experienced it themselves. Well, I, I think that we're hooked up on a program. Yeah. We're more instructional, informational. We pass down knowledge from somebody else, you know, and, and said, this is what you got to do and so forth. And then we end off the classroom. It's a lecture. Uh, it's a classroom format. And then the guys go home and there's no relationship uh, with the pastor or with anybody that's there. Uh, discipleship, as Jesus puts it, is a cost. It is a cost. It, it's a cost. It's the cost of my time to spend time with you, you know. And, and, and here's the, the beauty. If you're married, God will gift you with a wife that will release you with that time because she understands the call of your life, you know. Uh, so I think, I think what happens with leaders is that, one, for some reason they believe that men's ministry is difficult, so we won't do it, you know. And the other part is that they're afraid, and I'm, I'm going to say it on your radio, I'm going to say it, they're afraid to be vulnerable to put their stuff out there as well, you know, because the men will look at them. Oh, you're my pastor. And this is the what? Yeah, I'm human just like you. I'm a man like you. Yeah. I love that scripture about Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man in like passion as we are. Yeah. This is a guy who, who killed 150 prophets, man, who caught fire from heaven, you know, and then James says, he's just a man. Yeah. And I think that's, I think, and I, and again, this is my opinion. Uh, I think we're afraid as leaders to expose our life to other men and say, hey, man, I feel like what you feel. Let's grow together. Let's work together. Let's develop each other in the kingdom of God. And it's a part of protecting one another. You know, uh, I, if we build a really close relationship between you and me, I, I'll make sure that the enemy don't try to mess up your home. You know, hey, Mike, how you doing? You know, is everything OK? You know, at home. And so forth. One of the beauty things about I love about Navy SEALs is that before they go to deployment, they sit down with each other and talk an open discussion about what's happening in your house. Because I don't want you to go into warfare thinking about what's going on at home. So tell me, if you're going through something in finances, let us know. We'll help you. If you're going through something in your marriage, let us know. We'll try to make it together. You will work it, you know, and put it together. If yeah. you're going through something, hey, let's do that. So part of discipleship is brotherhood. Yeah. Make sure I'm watching out for your back and you're watching out for my back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need you distracted. I need you to be focused on what, on what you need to be doing uh, yeah. as, as a man, as a servant, as a leader, as a, as a child of God, I need you to be focused. And so to become that man of God, you need to be, uh, you need to have those men on your back. And you and I talked about the last time we were together about, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, about the, um, uh, the scripture verse from Ecclesiastes in chapter four. Yeah, man, you know that's a powerful verse. A lot of people don't see that verse and understand the whole complete meaning of that verse. And 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 for those of you who, are, uh, who don't, who, who may not know what we're talking about, it, it's verses nine, nine and ten, which says two are better than one, for they bring a great reward on their labor. Well, if one falls down, there's another one to to lift him up. And think about it, this, guys. If you don't have a man that you're you're uh, have that intentional relationship with that, that's walking alongside with you, you don't have anybody that can really lift you up until maybe it's too late. But the interesting thing is, at the end of that verse ten, there's a warning there, 
And it says, woe to the man who doesn't have, and some scriptures say, some translations say, pity the man who doesn't have someone to lift him up. And, and that, that is so important for us men to recognize we've got to have guys who have our packs who's walking along. And that's what a little bit about what, what discipling is all about is walking alongside another man and encouraging him to help him to grow and to help him to know what it means to be a, a committed follower of Jesus Christ with an intentional, loving relationship with him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's a, one of the most that. In fact, my the the men's ministry here at this local church is built on that verse, and we mm. call it building brothers. Mm. You know, and I have a, a a very unique, close relationship with a brother here. He's one of the elders of the church. You know, his name is Jerry Dunn, and 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 I can talk to him, and he can talk to me. I I, I call it a Nathan relationship. Oh man. A Nathan relationship where if God speaks to him, I know him and I know how how God uses him. And so I'm open to whatever God has to say to me through him, you know, uh, in that sense. And so we build each other up. And I, I remember conversations that we've had, man, We, we in tears sometimes and, and laughter, you know. And that's that part of grabbing a hold of that brother, making sure that we don't fall and we continue walking together on this journey with Christ. So I, I, that's a very powerful scripture. But that warning, I wonder, do we really grab a hold of that warning? You know, I, I, you know, I don't, because, you know, when I talk to men about that, I said, what that scripture is telling you is you got to have a man walk inside. It knows you so well that when he sees you beginning to step off into the abyss, so to speak, he can grab you by the nap of the neck and pull you back and say, what are you doing? You know? And, and and speak honest to him. You know, when you think about Nathan, and I couldn't help but think about when you're talking about Nathan in relationship to David, you know, being able to go to Nathan when he, uh, uh, David sinned with Bathsheba, did an adulterous relationship, had her husband killed and all that. And Nathan went to him and said, I know what you did and called him on it. Nathan knew that David was a king and he could cut his head off if he wanted to. You know, easy, easy, but easy. he but he loved David so much and wanted to make sure he stayed on task with what God has called him to do. He went and confronted him about it. And of course, David, David repented. That's where we get Psalm 51 so much from. David repented and, and became one of the great. Well, not one of the greatest king of Israel, you know, That's outside so of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and so and so yeah, it's very important to have that. And if you do step into the abyss before he could grab you, he's there to help you get back up, not yeah. to judge you, not to condemn you, but to dust you off, console you, counsel you, whatever's necessary to get you back on the right path. Amen. Amen. And and that and that is the beauty of of not only brotherhood, but of discipling. Yeah. You know that a brother can count on another brother in the midst of their pain, in their darkness. They are what they call the 2 o'clock, 2 a.m. guy. 2 a.m. guys. Yep. 2 a.m. guy, you know, uh, that you can trust. And, 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 and it's not out in the news somewhere. Again, uh, uh, I tell guys, you can trust me. Unless you're going to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else, you know, it stays with me, you know, because I really don't want you to hurt anybody else, and I don't want you to hurt yourself. So, Brother, I'm going to find your help. If I can't help you, I'm going to find help for you, you know. But the thing is, it's not giving up and commitment. Uh, uh, when you're talking, I remember Jesus in the book of Luke, chapter 9, talking about the cost of discipleship. Oh, yeah. You know? 
And 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 from there, I, I think there's three things that, I, if you don't mind, Mike, I'll be sharing this part. Go for Three things that that we find in that particular story in Luke nine, uh, verse fifty-seven, I believe, to sixty-two. Uh, there are three kind of followers, and 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 the first kind is called a casual follower. That's the guy who says, and he doesn't want to leave the necessities of life. Hey, Jesus, would you just bid me? Jesus says, follow me. Would you just let me bury my dad? Okay, let me just take care of some things over here before I follow yeah. you. You know, and then you have the cautious follower. That guy says, I'll commit myself in the future, not right now. I'll follow Christ in my own terms. Right. You're not a disciple. You know, and then the third one is a, a, a careful follower. You know, the careful follower says, I didn't realize, Christ, that you were the center of everything, you know, and so I'm misdirected, you know. And so you got three guys that are either casual followers or cautious followers or careful followers, and God is looking for committed followers. Amen. You know, one who says, I'm going to go, the, I'm going to go to distance. But that commitment requires that, that scripture out of Ecclesiastes, you know, that you have somebody there that when you trip or fall, you can be lifted up. And again, I pray, man, I pray somehow that we can put on, a, on headlights, woe unto him who falls and has no one to pick him up. That warning sign that it should scare us. It should bring us back to sobriety somehow and says, I need somebody, man. I need a brother that I can talk to. And, and, and this is not a forced relationship. You can't force it in there. It has to be on a natural level. But, but nonetheless, it has to happen because if you don't happen, then you're open prey for the enemy. You're open prey for your own selfish desires. You're open prey. And then you have no one there to, to share some things with in your trap, you know? You're trapped, and we don't want men to be trapped. We want men to develop healthy. We want men to display the kingdom principles. We want men to have good marriages in their home. Uh, we don't want to put the cart before the horse, but in order to have a good marriage, guys, you need an awesome relationship with Christ. You need a very deep personal relationship, oh, yeah. and you need a discipler to help you along that process. Yeah. You know? So, Mike, that's 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 the the, the part there, you know, uh, discipline before dynamics. Yeah. This is what I, uh, you know, uh, I think I don't know if I said this to you before, but you don't give your ten year old the keys to your car. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because that's a two ton bullet, and there are rules. Oh yeah. In discipling, there are rules, and so here you give him the keys to the car. At a certain age, he can get a driver's license. But he needs to learn the rules, the mirrors, the car seat, the ignition, the key that goes into the ignition, the slowing of the pedal. You don't put your foot down real fast on a two-ton bullet. you got to gradually ease the car out of parking and move and watch everything that's around you. How do you learn that? Who taught you that? Someone sat down and taught you that. No, what we want to do as Christians or as believers is that as soon as I get saved, I want to go out and save the world. No, those that the dynamics will come later. First, learn the discipline, then watch the dynamics. That's what Jesus says. Listen, I'm going away. Greater works while you you'll do when I go away, and He'll test us every once in a while as a discipler, you know, and as a disciple, He'll test us. He told His disciples. Hey, listen, you guys have been hanging out with me for a little while. I want you to go out now. Go ahead and cast out devils, heal the sick. And, and then they came back rejoicing. Jesus says, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. In other words, you've learned some of the dynamics. You still need to be disciplined. 
you know, until then, your eyes are not ready. So I think for young men who want to be disciples, hey, learn the disciplines. Find a man that you can sit down with and say, hey, would you mentor me? Like I told you last week, I have this young man who comes to me, 23 years old, running his own business. He walks up to me, looks at me straight in the eye and says, hey, man, Mike, would you mentor me? I, at first, I was like in shock, but I was like, sure, man. You know, are you ready for this? He goes, yeah, I believe so. And so this is a young guy, a millennial kid who wants to learn from an older person, you know. Uh, and so we're discipling. We're talking. We're having coffee. We're dealing with our relationship with God. And uh, that's working out really well so far. You know, he's opening up slowly some of the intimate things uh, he has in his life. And I'm sharing some of my personal experiences with him that he's learning from, you know. So I think this is this is part of discipling is also learning what it is to be disciplined. You know, well, you know, there's so much scripture there for what you were just saying. You know, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he talked about uh, in his second letter to him, he talked to me, you know, the, the things that you have heard me say in, in the presence of many witnesses and yeah. trust them to reliable men who are also qualified to teach others. So, so what I have taught you, Paul discipled Timothy and what you, and what I have taught you now it's time for you to take that and find reliable men, faithful men is what he's saying and teach them also qualify them to go on and, and to teach others. I couldn't help but think also of, of another another verse comes comes from that Psalms for you and I. You're talking about a, a younger man reaching out to an older man. Uh, there's 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 a scripture in Psalms in 71:18, I believe it is. It's it's uh, David was writing. He says, "Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, God, until I have proclaimed your generation, your power to the next generation." And that's so true for us. Yeah. Is that we as uh, as seasoned men, and I'll, I'll be more kind and say it that way, as we are seasoned <laughs> men, I got a we good need to be we need to be opening ourselves up and, and available to these younger guys to to disciple them and to and to mentor them as they as they need. You know, Paul told told Thessalonians, and I was pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also my own life. My own life, you know, and so yeah. and so it's so important for us to do that. So let, let's shift. We've talked about what it means to be a discipler uh, and, and, as, and, and a, a learner and a follower. And now we're talking about how we need to replicate that. How can I, how can, if I, I'm wanting to do that, I'm wanting to reach out and begin to disciple someone. How do I start? What do I do? Well, I, I for me, um, I, I look at, some of the guys, and I'll come up to them and say, hey, man, I want you to be part of this group, you know? And and I begin this, it says, uh, do you know uh, about our discipleship group, or do you know uh, we, we meet at a certain time? Uh, and I begin to have this conversation with the guy, and I find out that he's too busy, uh, he's working two or three jobs, you know? And I said, bro, you, you, there's somewhere within that time frame that you have an hour, mm -hmm. one hour, mm -hmm. you know, that we can meet and have a cup of coffee. Maybe it's, it may have to be five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I've seen it happen, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and we begin that conversation of a young man. And then uh, Jesus, the way he did it, he approached his disciples. Matthew, follow me. 
my, and I'm not going to go up to a guy and say, yo, follow me. He's going to look at me like I got two heads. But I'm going to go to him and, and talk to him about uh, uh, about the scriptures and about the groups that we're having for men. And then have a cup of coffee with him and just getting to know him and uh, him getting to know me. And, uh, and you'll find out that says, hey, man, I've been really wanting to talk to you, Mike, for a long time. I just never had the opportunity. This is great. And the guy begins to open up. And that's the beginning doors for me, at least, of discipling. You know, uh, and we talk about, oh, man, I, I talk about different things. We talk about prayer. You know, do you know how to pray? You know, you know, you take time out to pray. You know, uh, how's your life? Uh, are you uh, are you living a holy life, you know, in the area of purity? Now, I know that sometimes that scares guys, you know, when they hear the word purity, you know, uh, that means sinless. No, we're not talking about sinless. Are you working on areas that you know that are weak in your life that um, I call it the cheesecakes? Are you eating the cheesecake or are you walking away from cheesecakes? You know, walk away from the cheesecake because, you know, cheesecake is not good for you. You know, <laughs> so is your life holy before God? In other words, holiness, meaning is it different than the standards of society? Yeah. Uh, do you have a level of integrity? Do people trust you? Things of that nature. I making the guy think about his own life and so forth. Uh, how's your worship with God? Listen, we talk about women worshiping God. There's not enough talk about men worshiping God, expressing to God. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with expression. If you're married, guys, how did you show love to your wife? <laughs> how did you express it to her? You know, how did she come to know that man loves me? You did something. So it's the same thing with us when it comes to our relationship with God. You show other men, this is how you worship God, you know? And then lastly, if you're a dad, I learned how to become a dad by watching mature men. And you say seasoned men, I call them sage. Men who have wisdom, men who've been around for a long time and have the stripes and the battle marks on their back and watch them and said, that's it, what it is to become a dad. I didn't learn it from my father. In fact, I didn't have a father when I was growing up. I got to meet him for the first time when I was 18 years old. So I couldn't learn anything from him. So who would I learn it from? Watching men of God, sage men, who, how they treated their wives, how they treated their kids, and that's what how I learned it. And then my own mistakes in my own home and watching this and learning the scriptures and understanding what God is, is doing in my life. And that's uh, 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 what men need to learn how to do. And this is part of what I try to do with men as much as I can. I'm not perfect. I'm the average guy like anybody else, you know, but I know that I have a passion that God has given me for men. I've been doing this for about close to 20 years, Mike. If, if, if I'm not, if I don't have passion, then I must be crazy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, Father, God's called me to do something, so I'm going to do it. And uh, and I think that's what God's calling older men or sage men to disciple younger men. Yeah. To Let me use another term, guys. If you're afraid of the word disciple, how about this? Influence in a godly fashion. Other yeah. men. You well, know? you know, your influence is a big word on social media now because you have Ooh. people on social media that you call influencers. And, uh, and so we do need those influencers who are influencing from a biblical worldview and, and spiritual nature. 
Yeah, that's what that's a biblical worldview. That's an interesting term uh, that we use because we they're we're called holy rollers, or you know, you're stuck in this area. No, 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 no. It's it's again the biblical worldview is understanding what it is to live right before God and influence in a positive, healthy way our community, our churches, our homes, our schools. You know. But in a positive, healthy way, under the influence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let me share a little bit of a testimony here about exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, I grew up in the church, and uh, I knew nothing but the church. Uh, I was that guy that every every young teenage, every mother of a teenage daughter wanted their daughter to marry because I, I didn't do drugs, <laughs> I didn't smoke, I didn't cuss. You know, I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, you, you know, I I won't I won't lie and say I. I didn't experiment some, not with drugs, but did, did experiment some, but but uh, with some other stuff. But uh, but I was pretty good, clean cut kid, so to speak. Most bit. I grew up in the church, but you know, I never, ever, ever, and I can't emphasize that enough. Ever after I come to Christ at seventeen years of age, have someone who come alongside of me and discipled or mentor me. Uh, in my life. And it wasn't until I was 50 years old, 52 years old, actually. And I was battling uh, kidney cancer. I had just been diagnosed with kidney cancer. And I was going through that process of, of um, having to deal with that. When a man walked up to me one day after a church service on a Sunday morning and tapped me on the shoulder. I had my back turned to him, and he tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around, and I recognized him because he was a man I known, had known for about 30 years. And he looked at me and said, Mike, I want you to join me on Saturday morning uh, at 5 o'clock. That's the reason why I was joking earlier in the broadcast about 5 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, meet with me and a couple of other guys, and let's start walking through the Bible. I agreed to do that. I stayed with that man for three years. And, Michael, I'm going to tell you something. He, he mentored and discipled me for those three years, and I grew more in my faith with Christ in those three years in all aspects of life than I had in the whole other time I had been in the church. That's how important I recognized after a while the importance of being able to speak into another man's life. And I have made that a life mission for myself to do that also, because I now understood what Jesus said when he said, go into the world, you know, and disciple others and make disciples in my name, you know, the Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20. And so it's, it's, it's so important for us to fully understand that. And, and it's, it's necessary for the churches to be able to educate their their congregants on what that means to disciple. It's not sitting in church on Sunday mornings and listening to the pastor speak an eloquent, depository preaching. It's important, but it's not there. It's not going to a Sunday school class and listen to a student of the Bible expand on the word of God to help you gather information. Important, but that's not discipling. And so you've got to have that, that individual that you can, like you said earlier, that you can be vulnerable with and that you can share with and he can be vulnerable to you. That is when discipling really takes root. No, true, true. I think that the discipling comes up in about five things. As you're talking, five things pop up. Number one, there's a purpose. Mm -hmm. The purpose is, is, is that God has called us to make disciples. 
Right. So is if, if you want to have and you're looking, what's my purpose? That's the purpose. God has given us a purpose is to make disciples. But number two with that, the purpose is trusting. Trust is the foundation of any relationship in discipling. If you don't have trust, you can't do it. Trust is the foundation. Number three, it will be from the trust. It opens up, Mike, to what we're talking about is vulnerability. And now I can trust you. And I'm open to that. And, and, and then number four, what comes out of that whole thing is commitment. Amen. You know, commitment. Now I'm, I'm open to Mike. I trust Mike. I found a purpose in making disciples. Now I'm committed. Mike, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? When, when do you want me to do it? I'm committed to the call. Mike makes a, a trumpet call on the pulpit. Guys come. Why? Because they're committed, you know. And then the fifth part, the fifth part is the most important part. The 35th president of the United States, President Kennedy, said this. One man can make a difference. Everyone should try it. One man can make a difference. Everyone should try it. Practice what you teach and preach. Again, I said this. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk will ever talk. You know, your life says something. And let me tell you, people are watching. Other men are watching. They're watching Mike Sadler. Look at him. Look at the way he walks with God. I want to learn how to walk with God like that. Let me ask Mike. Mike, how do you do this? You know, I'm glad you asked, you know, and then you, you bring them in. So our walk, our life speaks loud, you know, and it's like an open book. Uh, and that from that part where you quote that scripture out of Paul with Timothy, I entrust the gospel with him. Why? Because I know his walk. I know his walk. And that takes personal relationship, discipling. And so it's not complicated. I think the fear is the vulnerability. We're afraid. You know, women, I, I, this is not a comparison. Please don't take this as a comparison. <laughs> women, women do it very naturally. Yep. You know, they do it very naturally. Uh, but but men have this thing because, and, and I still don't know why most of them, they have this thing inside of them. And I think the bottom line is pride. Pride and vulnerability. Let's knock it out, guys. Let's become what God has called us to be. You know, open your open your life to another man. Find someone that you're able to build a relationship with and grow together. And watch how God uses you guys to change your community, your home, and your life and, and things around you. You'll you'll be surprised what God can do through you. You know, amen, amen. Michael, we're coming up on our time, bud. I mean, we've been talking, we've been talking about this for a while, and, and time has flown by, and, and we're coming up. We're going to have to start wrapping this up. But yeah. uh, I just wanted to quote that verse from Matthew chapter 28, 19 and twenty again for our people. I know it's a verse that we hear in churches a lot, but we need to really understand what Jesus is saying here, and the fact where he says, you know, when he says, "Go and make disciples." The interesting thing is, and you're you're a student of the Word of God too, where it says in, in that verse, beginning, therefore go. A better translation of that is, as you go, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the discipling part of it. you got. You're teaching them. You're teaching them. And that, and Jesus said, and as you do this, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so He is with us while we're doing that. He's telling us to, as we as we walk this life, as we follow Him, we need to be discipling others. 
you know, and 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 teach them the things that he's commanded us. And that uh, and as we do that, he's going to be with us as we do it. And so we need to do that. I want to um, I want to give you just a minute or two yourself just to just kind of wrap up your thoughts on discipling and why it's so important for us to develop and ask God to show us that person for us to disciple and why it's so important for us to do that. Well, for me, the, the important part is, one, as a discipler, my relationship with God has to be intact. That's number one. It, it's not always perfect. Why? Though God has delivered me from the penalty of sin, he has yet to deliver me from the presence of sin. So I have to understand who I am. Remember that scripture out of Peter, he says, add to your faith. And there's a list, seven things he says, add to your faith. And number one, in there, well, not number one, I think the third one says add knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge of what? Three things. Knowledge of self. Understand your weaknesses as a discipler. Understand who you are, where you come from. And then when you understand that, you'll understand your relationship and your, under, uh, uh, your identity in Christ. Number Amen. two, when you study and understand self, it help you to understand the scriptures. You know? And when you understand the scriptures, you'll get to know the Savior in a different way. So in that is knowledge. When you do that, hey, find a young man who is struggling in understanding scripture. You, you can see them almost in their face with a puzzled look and so forth. Put your arms around us. Let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's go eat a, a, a Subway sandwich or something. And, and, and then begin to talk about their relationship with God and how you can help them along and says, hey, allow me to disciple you. Allow me to mentor you. Allow me. I don't know whatever adjective we can use, but it's in the realm of relationship and developing Christ. If we don't do that, Mike, number one, we'll have chaos and everybody will do whatever they feel like doing. Number two, we're out of the will of God. Yeah. Number three, men will be hiding their sins and they'll probably even die in their sins, you know, and not being free from the torment of their mind uh, or, or what they're going through. One of the greatest stories, I, I, not great story, but one of the things that I wrestle with are two gentlemen in the Bible, similar stories or similar impacts of their lives, Judas and Peter. Mm -hmm. Peter lied three times, and the third time he cursed. He cursed right. Christ. Right. Judas denied him one time, threw the money back, and was tormented on the inside. And the result of both of them were different. Judas hung himself. Peter was found among the disciples, but still going through an internal struggle inside. Why didn't the disciples get up and go after Peter, Judas? They were with Jesus for three, for three years. Judas betrayed them. Man, Jesus taught us to love, forgive, to grab a hold of the brother. Don't let nobody fall. They let Judas die. They just let him die. They didn't care about him. They forgot the principles of developing and going after a brother who's hurting. The worst thing for any man is to be alone with his own thoughts. Brothers, you cannot be alone. And I do not want to take the scripture out of context, but the scripture, I think, says it out of the book of Genesis. When God looked at Adam, it says it's not good for him to be alone. Gentlemen, it's not good to be alone with your own thoughts. You need a brother. You need to grow in Christ. It's your life is at stake. The devil is fighting for your soul. And so is God. 
Who will you surrender to? I'll leave you with that thought, Mike. <laughs> well, Michael, I appreciate it. I appreciate the conversation. I always have a good time talking to you. And oh, uh, we got to have yeah, coffee we, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. But uh, anyway, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. Uh, I think we talked about a lot of things today um, in regards to discipling and disciple making to help men to really think through about some of the stuff they may be doing in their life and how important they need to maybe change their priorities to some degree on on where they what they need to do as far as ministering to men in other areas in, within their churches. Uh, I'm going to give you a moment here also to, uh, I know we talked about it last time and you provided that, but I'm going to give you a chance to do it again. How can men contact you if they want to know, uh, they, they may like to ask you to come speak at their church or just like to talk to you sometime? Well, I, you know, you can call me on my cell at 774-273-0039. I may not be your two o'clock guy, but hey, listen, you can call me at 11 o'clock. <laughs> uh, you have to build a relationship with me to have a two o'clock, a two o'clock. But they can call me there or email me at Mike, M-I-K-E, J like in jump, O like an Oscar, C like in cat, E like an elephant, Mike Joss, the number 30 at gmail.com. Um, I can be reached there. Uh, I do have a Facebook page. You just type in Mike Rivera and you'll Michael Rivera, the full name, and you'll see my Facebook page there. Um, but I, I, Mike, I thank you for this opportunity of sharing. Uh, and I think I think we didn't go to rabbit's hole, right? And no, we, we stayed on task this time. <laughs> but I think it's I think this topic is so important for pastors to understand. And and I, you know I got a feeling that pastors do, but they just don't. Yeah. No, they don't do. You may, you may be right. You may be right on that. You may be right on that. They've got so much other stuff on their plate, but they need guys. They need guys to step up in their churches uh, to help in that area. I got to ask you this question. You said, you know, you say if you, if they, if people call you, uh, you may not be their 2 a.m. guy. Are you my 2 a.m. guy? If I called you 2 a.m. I'm guy, but I can be your 2 a.m. <laughs> I know be you. I'll put a special, a special ringtone on my phone with your name on it. <laughs> hey. Well, you can do the same with me too. You no. might do the same. You might hear a female voice answer it before me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man. And, and and I say that, and I say that lovingly that I may not be the because I, it's based on relationship. I got to yeah. know who you are at two o'clock. Amen. Morning, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh, that's all. Okay. Yeah. Amen. Well, folks, I thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Salen. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men and Men's Ministry Coalition. If you've enjoyed this program, I ask you to do two things. Number one, share this program with a friend. And number two, consider giving uh, to, to Cape Fear Men to help you keep these broadcasts coming to you. And to become a financial partner of Cape Fear Men, you can go to the capefearmen.net webpage and click on the Give button that you'll see there at the top of the page. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization operating under Ministry Alliance, and all donations are tax deductible. Thank you in advance for your donation. And to learn more about Cape Fear Men and how Cape Fear Men can help you to reach the men of your local church, or if you want to know more about what we discuss on these programs, go to capefearmen.net. And if you'd like to speak to me directly, email me at mike.sandlin at capefearmen.net. But for now, I'll leave you this blessing. I pray God will leave you a rock to stand on, a brook to pray from, and a tree to shake you. And this is Mike Salen saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next Intentional Conversation with Mike Salen.